0: To get started visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Welcome to the penultimate episode of Maybe Baby. I'm Kate Lawler and he is very lucky. How lucky? I don't think you realise just how lucky you are to have me sitting opposite you at this dining table.
2: I mean, being unlucky is a form of lucky, I guess. Got
0: a sound effect to go with that?
2: Um, That's what they think. All right, sorry.
0: So the final guest we interviewed for this series was the woman who made grew and pushed Bodge out. My future mother-in-law, Suzanne.
2: It's a very graphic way of describing what happened.
0: Out of her vagina.
2: That's today ruined. (laughs) So we'll just write that one off. (laughs) She pressed that. So you're finally going to hear what my mum sounds like.
0: Martin!
2: Yeah, not... Martin. Not like that.
0: Martin, give me a grandchild. (laughs) That's exactly what she sounds like. She's
2: so insulting. You're
0: about to hear for yourself how awesome my impression is.
2: It's bad. Um, We thought seeing as the premise of this series is whether or not to become parents, uh, we'd interview our own, or my mum in this case.
0: Now we've got something very special planned for my mum and dad, but that's to come in the second series, so for now... Oh,
2: hold on, have you just told them we're doing a second series? Have you just dropped the bomb?
0: Maybe, baby. Have you
2: dropped the... You drop the air raid siren
0: <laughs> maybe baby
2: yeah potentially so
0: for now here's the story of Bodges' dear mum and what it was like raising a child with such a massive head
2: yeah that's that's going to be coming out maybe anyway we'll be back afterwards for more chat about our final episode
0: B, thank you so much for saying yes to this podcast. We know that you'd much rather be at the gym doing body attack. Absolutely. (laughs) The aim of this is for our listeners to find out about the humans who created us. And we're also hoping for some much needed parental advice. Are you happy to be here? I am very
1: happy to be here.
0: Do you consent to us recording this podcast? (laughs)
1: Yes, I do.
0: (laughs) All right. First of all, why don't
1: you tell us a little bit about your childhood? Okay. So I come from a Jewish family. Um, My father was born in Poland and my mother comes from Czech. Both of them were Holocaust survivors. They met after the war only and got married in 1948. And um, we never had any aunts or uncles, granddads or grandmas. All of them perished during the Second World War in concentration camps. I was born in Czechoslovakia, which is today Czech Republic. And I lived there until I was 14. Obviously, it was in the 50s and 60s when um, the communist regime was around. But we lived in a quarter quite secluded from everything and had a kind of a magic childhood. We played on the street and we had lots of friends. School was around the corner. We knew everybody. So it was uh, rather nice, and that's why I like going back. But at 14... In 1968, uh, the Russian tanks rolled in after the Prague Spring and in October '68 we left. Uh, my brother and I went to Israel while well, my parents went to Germany.
0: How old were you at this point?
1: I was 14.
0: So did your parents send you to Israel?
1: Uh, they basically sent us, both of us, my brother and I, My brother was five years older. They sent us to Israel and the the, uh, idea was that they will follow us soon. Uh, But the soon took a little bit longer. I was there two years on my own. Um, Obviously, we had any remaining family we had there. Uh, So people helped us, particularly my aunt, who is this year going to be 101. Uh, She kind of looked after us and during the holidays I stayed with her and so on. So uh, it was a terrible shock for me and um, in Israel I went into a boarding school for two years, uh, which was rather awful. When you went there, when you went to Israel, did you speak any Hebrew? I didn't speak any Hebrew. I spoke very basic English, but basic English. I basically did not speak any other language but Czech. So how did you communicate? Was it learn Hebrew or were a lot of children there speaking English you? There were some some children who didn't speak Hebrew like myself. Within three months I could communicate. How many years did you stay in Israel for before you? Nine years. And then what was your next move and why? I got my A-level from there and then I went into the army. What was that like? Uh, yeah. I most of the time I worked in administrative posts. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, they teach you everything, including how to how to shoot. With normal gun and with automatic guns,
2: Mum's a secret sniper.
1: <laughs> Don't get on the wrong side of Suzanne; she will take you down. We had the Uzis, if you if you ever know those. That <laughs> 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 was going Mum like with an
2: Uzi, Jesus, yeah.
1: full Al Pacino. Mate. <laughs> uh, I didn't, I couldn't hit anything, but that didn't matter that much. And then I did my first degree at uh, university. And was university Israel as well? I went in Tel Aviv University. I studied archaeology and Egyptology. Did you decide? And then I wanted to continue my studies and I wanted to come to London. So I applied here at University College London and was accepted uh, for the master's for the second degree. She's only got a blooming master's.
2: So you've got two degrees?
1: I've got two degrees. Bloody hell. It's not only... No pressure. It's not MA, it's M-Phil, which is a better sort of...
2: All right, Mum, stop showing off.
1: You big show <laughs> off. I I'd be showing off if I had an M. An M what? M-Phil, Master
0: of Philosophy.
2: There
1: you go. That in sat- Egyptology, please.
0: In Egyptology. And I should point out that we're sat in a living room that has over 100 books here. And I once asked Suzanne if she'd read them all and the answer was yes. And they all look like encyclopedias.
2: Hold on. What's so that? We are
0: sat with the most.
2: What's that noise? Okay. Oh, it's the best clock ever. Mum's a bit of an eccentric at times. So for some reason, one day we came home and she'd bought a new clock for the wall and it it's a bird clock it's epic so basically at each hour a different bird call goes off what was that
0: that was
2: you can see
1: it's good the,
0: the tawny owl
2: the tawny owl oh no sorry
0: it's the song thrush
2: the song thrush it's the
1: five o'clock it's good we've, got, we've the, got the barn the, owl coming up in an hour the owl <laughs> is at midday
2: <laughs> <laughs> if you hear any more it depends how long this goes on it but you can time another. us by the birds
1: exactly <laughs> so you're in london I came to London to study and after the first year I met Alex and uh, we got married before I finished even my degree. Okay. In those days you got married quicker. Yeah. Yeah. And how long, younger.
2: How long after you met him did you get married?
1: About eight months. And how old were you when you got married? I was 24.
2: Eight months, we're going to take seven years.
1: Brilliant. <laughs> it was different times.
2: So your relationship with dad... Obviously, we're going to have to be light on certain details here because I don't want to know them. But uh, did you always talk about wanting to have kids? How how long was it? So basically, for everyone listening, I've got an older sister, Eva. She's in the background. So if you hear any heckling, that'll be her. Did you talk about having kids straight away? Was it explicit? Yes,
1: yes. And both of us wanted the kids. I wanted to wait for three years, which we did. And dad would have had the children immediately. I would he? So, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you put of, him off? Uh, well, I thought three years is, you know, we have a bit of a free time for three years. Mm-hmm. I was only 24.
2: Mm. I thought dad would have dodged it. I know he's...
1: No, 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 no. He was very, absolutely. <laughs> what,
2: what was it like to delay that by three years? Was that kind of common or was there a lot of pressure yeah, on you?
1: that was common.
2: Yeah? So there wasn't that pressure was on common. you to as soon as you no. get married?
1: No, 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 no. No,
2: no. okay. No.
1: That was a common thing that people wanted to find their own feet and to get yourself accommodation and things like that, you know, where you live and so on, and be happy. I had to finish my degree, things like that. Yeah. How did it feel being
0: in a country on your own with no parents or support to have a child?
1: After I had the first child... Eva. It was Eva. (laughs) It was fairly lonely. Mm. I, I lived in Tottenham where I didn't have many friends I joined these mums and babies groups and so on but I was rather bored with talking about nappies and babies and all this I'm not surprised, a <laughs> masters of philosophy in <laughs> <Blimey> Egyptology <laughs> of course you're going to so, get more. so uh, I didn't go very often but uh, I wasn't scared or I wasn't worried or anything.
2: What was the NHS like at the time? Because now it's considered world-leading, especially for pregnancy and mothers. Was it the same then?
1: It was beginning there. We didn't have, like, uh, the water birth, which I would have taken.
2: Would you have done a water birth?
1: Oh, I would have done, yeah. Why
2: a water birth?
1: Uh, <laughs> because it sounded good. Because <laughs> in the water, it's you, you haven't got your own weight. I've got
2: to ask, did dad stay in the home end or did he go to the away end?
1: Well, that I don't know. That you have to ask him. But uh, <laughs> did you give birth naturally the first time? I have I had epidural and the problem is they gave me epidural and I couldn't push because I didn't feel like pushing. Oh. <laughs> so what happened? Well, one sort of anecdote perhaps. <laughs> I'm not very good with pain and so on. And they gave me a epidural and obviously everything goes numb. But beforehand, I thought the contractions were so painful. I got up from the bed and I said, I'm going home. This hurts too much. I'm not staying here. (laughs) Stubborn. (laughs) And dad said, don't be silly. You can't go home. (laughs) And just to say another thing, when we left the hospital and then you stayed in hospital for 10 days with the first baby, uh, 10 days 10 days and that we bought that bought a big box of chocolates and gave it to the nurses because they worked so hard and they were so kind and he said my wife had a baby you remember and she said how could i forget
2: <laughs> cuz you just made such a fuss
1: <laughs> i made a big fuss most of the english people were very much much more relaxed than me. <laughs> Do you remember how long it took to give birth with Eva? Another, another funny thing, I, I, the waters broke at home about 2 o'clock in the morning. Everything happens in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And she was born at 11. AM? Yeah. Okay. And the, we, I sat, we sat in our little mini and Dad looked at the petrol gauge and said I haven't got any petrol <laughs> brilliant <laughs>
2: fucking hell dad come on come on so
1: in the middle of the night we had to look for a petrol station as well
2: and I imagine it wasn't like nowadays where everything no, was not open no no
1: and <laughs> was Eva on time as well
0: because you would think right let's fill the car up with petrol because she's due on this day and we don't want to get stuck she was a few days
1: early but few days only
2: it he could have been ready Classic. he just wasn't
0: How did you find the routine initially with Eva?
1: Was she a good sleeper? Uh, No, the answer is no. (laughs) It was the time when you fed on demand and when you left the baby to sleep on demand. And uh, I thought that perhaps was a good idea. But of course, I haven't slept properly for five years with two babies in a row. But uh, you have to feed them. Uh, You have to feed them at 12, you have to feed them at 4, you have to feed them at 6, and so on and so forth. What Uh, was it like waking up at 4 in the morning? It wasn't good, but I managed, while feeding, uh, either read a book or actually listen to a horror story that was on radio, (laughs) so to pass the time. While you were living your own horror story. (laughs) And she was... She was so good, waking up exactly the same time that I could follow the story from one night to another. <laughs> did you um, did you ever share the night feeds with Alex or was that something you did on your own? No, I never expressed milk and uh, so I had to feed her myself, both of you. Why didn't you express? I don't know. There was the theory of, and they were saying, that if you express milk and give uh, the baby a bottle, then because the sucking is much easier then they will want the bottle and won't want to feed at your breast. So I wanted everything my way. (laughs) So I had to wake up my way. Like every mum. Yeah, but uh, neither of you had one bottle in your life. I didn't have bottles. Really? No. At what age did you stop breastfeeding? Eva was seven months and Martin about eight. Let's go back to when you just had one
0: child, that was Eva. Back then, men and women had more defined roles. Do you think that was a positive or negative
1: thing? It's both. We were defined, but on the other hand, their dad was changing nappies, giving them baths. He was taking part in the same way, sometimes feeding them. And I was at home most of the time. So I did most of the jobs, but uh, it's okay. It comes kind of naturally divided, but it's good that men can help. Mm. So you were working and studying
2: beforehand. Um, So how did having the baby impact you? Because you kept teaching, you got your masters. What kind of helped to to drive you to do that?
1: Well, first I, I finished my degree before I had babies. I also worked beforehand about a couple of years only, and only then I, sort of, I got pregnant. So we, after we got married, we waited for about three years. And then one year I didn't do anything, but um, I realized I really wanted to. Adult education was very big in those days. Every college had adult education, and when I offered Egyptology, we were quite happy. So that's how, I, that's how I started my teaching Egyptology career. Was there any point when you first had Eva that you thought,
0: I don't want to do anything else but be a mum? Or is it always in the back of your head that you wanted to go into further I education? I always
1: wanted to do something. Mm. Always wanted to. I was not made to stay at home.
0: So you felt pregnant again around two years after giving birth to Eva. How different was being pregnant second time around? How were the pregnancies different and how were the births
1: different? The pregnancies were more or less the same, mm-hmm. uncomfortable. I'm, I'm not a person who loved being pregnant. What didn't you enjoy about it? it you're heavy. <laughs> <laughs> your legs hurt, your back hurts, you're heavy. With him, I put on 20 kilograms. 20? Yes. You said I only weighed four. Well, yeah, but the rest of it was what I put on. <laughs> <laughs> so 20? you are suddenly very heavy. Yeah. And you can't exercise and sleeping is on the side, on this side, that side. What about the
0: birth? Because I understand we've spoke off the record a few times about how massive Bodji's head was. And um, if you have come first, it probably would have put you off having another. So the second birth
1: was definitely more painful. Uh, no, it wasn't more painful. Oh. It was as painful as the first one. It's only when I I wanted to do a natural birth and when I remembered that I could have an epidural, it was too late. (laughs) So (laughs) I had natural birth whether I liked it or not. But uh, because I gave birth two years before, fortunately, then his head came through. But everybody was amazed at his head and everybody was measuring. <laughs> and was it the world's largest head that they'd ever measured? Uh, that I don't know and I <laughs> hope not. I feel so sort attacked of <laughs> Didn't you have to go for checkups though because they were a bit worried about I his head? I had to go every, once a month to hospital. For how long? Uh, for a year. They thought he could have, if he's a big head, you can have water on your brain. And then your your head grows So Did I grow into my head? It he didn't So what did they say at the end of the year? At the end of the year he said he was fine And he will be just a brainy chap And that's what you are You are it's just a big brain inside that massive skull
2: I'll take that, I'll take that
0: What would you like the power to do?
2: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. So when you had me and you came home from the hospital and suddenly you have two kids, Mm -hmm. what are you feeling at that point? Because obviously, as you said, you know, before you were living in Tottenham, you were, you know, maybe a bit lonely because there wasn't, you didn't have a, a kind of a bigger group of friends Then you'd moved at this point so where were you living we were living here right in Edgeware. we were living
1: here god mm-hmm. can you
2: believe it? been here so long so you're living in Edgeware, and suddenly you've got two kids mm-hmm. uh, I imagine so paternity leave
1: dad had two weeks off dad didn't have any time off there was not paternity leave there's no paternity no way wow but uh, with two children if you had the previous child you know what to do so what mm-hmm. you have to be more organised for example they sleep in the afternoon you have to put both of them to sleep because otherwise you never have a free time where did the support come
0: from outside of you and Alex did you have anyone that could help out with babysitting or if you just needed only when my
1: when my with Eva when my parents came so my mother would take the baby for a walk and when he was born uh, for example when you were one my father already died then and my mother we went skiing with eva and my mom looked after you oh really for a whole week
2: wow. look at that so you know when i say about mum being our babysitter if mm-hmm. we have one there you go Could we go
1: skiing yeah for you a whole week? have to have a baby that's one condition, otherwise you can't oh, go skiing. We, we can't
2: go skiing otherwise. <laughs> no. Um, okay, so it was it was kind of difficult, but not like a, a major step up to and have he, too.
1: Here, here I, I've got a sort of, I joined the babysitting circle. So that became a little bit easier. And uh, once I went to work, I was happy. I was teaching mm. once or twice a, a week. I did something. I did something constructive so that's my life became it wasn't just changing nappies so that was that was good
2: what were you doing about childcare because you mentioned there the babysitting circle one of the biggest things that people say is the fact that childcare is so expensive in this country now Uh, you know especially with one but let alone two kids was it all very much just people you knew or was there the concept of like paid for childcare as there is now
1: There was very little of that. Mm. You went to nursery when you were three in the church in John Cable Church.
2: Was that paid for?
1: Paid a little bit, but very little. Mm. But it was two, three hours. That was all.
2: So today, it's much more widespread, but actually, it's just so much more expensive.
1: Well, today the the thing is, most people work because you've got huge mortgages, and you can one person one salary is not enough, regardless whether you want to stay at home or not. So something has to come into it. Mm. And hence government pays a little bit towards it. And nurseries that would be open from morning till evening nearly did not exist. Interesting. So the childcare was not very good here. Did you struggle
0: giving the kids the the same amount of attention that they both wanted?
1: Uh, no, I, I was was known, fa- well, fam- world famous. I, <laughs> I was walking with both both children, listening to both both of them talking to me, and I was answering to both of them separately. So
2: <laughs> two very bad conversations. So,
1: Great skills, yes. world famous. Now you have to develop that one if you've got two children so close together.
2: I remember when I was growing up. Uh, We went on holiday to the Czech Republic and I just got championship manager for the PC because I'm such a little nerd. Mm-hmm. I spent two hours walking through the forest with mum, telling her about all the players I bought, the formations I was playing, the games I had. And she's going, mm-hmm, good, yeah, very good, very good. <laughs> and I really felt like she was talking. And then this this moment came over me where I turned around and I was like, you're just not that interested, are you? She's like, no, 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 keep talking, carry on.
1: I know we're not parents, but I imagine all parents do that. It's very important. Yeah, It's very important for the development of the child, apart from that, that he wants to tell. But the brighter they are, the more they talk. And uh, you just let them. <laughs> How did Eva react to having a little brother? She was jealous. She, she hit him many times. She pinched him many <laughs> times. And when Martin grew up a little bit, he hit back. <laughs> did he break her teeth in the bath? No, he didn't.
2: He, I remember that story wrongly.
1: You that, told me that you pushed her in the bath.
2: I did push her in the bath.
1: That is possible, but once I came home, Mum Mum, look what happened. And Martin pulled out half of her hair. <laughs> you little brat.
2: Evie used to do this thing where mum would say, Stop pinching him and I'd be like behind her and she'd have she'd have me, she'd be pinching me and going, I never pinched him yeah. as she pinched me. All siblings yes. fight and squabble
0: yeah. yeah. and pinch each other, yeah. I'm sure. I push my twin sister's head through a greenhouse. And it smashed to pieces. She was fine. She was absolutely fine. But I got in really bad trouble for that. <laughs> um, what was the loveliest moment when you, you used to look at them and think, oh, this is why it's all worth it? I imagine you've had plenty
1: of those. Plenty of those. When I had Eva, when she was very little, maybe two months. And I watched both of them even later. I watched them sleep. Until today, I love when babies sleep. It's so, so innocent and so beautiful. And uh, suddenly this laugh. Uh, sort of was bursting out of my body and uh, I just fell in love with the baby, Miss Eva. Miss Martin, it's automatic when you come with the second child. Your body is used to all of it, your brain, your heart, everything. But uh, that was the moment I kind of fell in love with her, which was really nice.
2: So I remember when we were growing up and Dad uh, became uh, self-employed as a framer and uh, for five years, we never had much money. Um, how much pressure did that put on us? Because obviously we wouldn't have seen it as much as you, I mean, you would have hidden some of that from us. And how important is financial stability, do you think, to happiness?
1: It's important and it's not important. Money is nothing if you haven't got any anything else. But also to buy another dress or to buy another pair of shoes is not so important. It was important that uh, you went and play football and Evichka went and danced. And you had all the activities that I thought you should have or you wanted. And uh, that was important. Of course, as a mother, as a person, you build a nest. Yeah, and you want all your chicks in it. And you want the nest to be secure. <laughs> so basically, when, when we didn't have enough money... And by the way, my parents helped an awful lot. We had to economize. We had to reduce whatever was important, but you never lacked anything.
2: No, I remember once going on holiday. We went on a uh, on a 24-hour bus. That was uh, that was an experience because I was always, always used to get travel sick.
0: Where did you go to by bus?
2: That was the Czech Republic. So yeah, we went 24 hours by a bus. And uh, they, they were playing a really violent film mm-hmm. and I was probably throwing up mm-hmm. and mum was just like, we're never doing this again. Aww. We never it like did. Such an awful...
1: That's a long journey, especially with kids. So I imagine that was quite... It was long, but there was a reason for it because in those days we went for a longer period. We went for six weeks and those days you didn't get planes for such a long period of time it was very expensive Mm. so that was the the cheapest way to get there but once they were in Czech Republic they had these fabulous holidays we were in forest, there was a lake they had nice food Martin got drunk several times by finding friends when I was older that is (laughs) when he was older so they could run around much freer than here so that, then it was justified in that way.
2: Yeah, we did fly other times, it was fine. I wanna ask about boundaries because um, I always find it funny that I felt you were quite strict in some ways on things like schoolwork, on playing clarinet, which I had to do, <laughs> great instrument. And all that kind of stuff. So I felt you were quite strict there. But then you also just let us go out whenever we wanted to. At quite a young age, relatively like 14, 15. We what started raving. going. to were clubbing
0: at 14. We were
2: clubbing. And I remember once Eva actually phoned up. Because I, I had the bedroom next door to mum and dad. And Eva phoned up. And I could just hear mum on the on the landline, obviously. And I could just hear mum going, okay, yeah. that," And then turned around to dad and going, go come on, go and get them. Alex, go on. Go, daddy, go. <laughs> so Dad had to drive to Milton Keynes to pick up Eva, who was outside a club with her friend, covered in silver foil wrapping. Um,
0: silver foil wrapping. You know that Do like mean the blankets. That she's just mm. done
2: a marathon. But Mum, I never like felt like you told us off or if when we mucked up like that. You seem very relaxed in that stuff.
1: It was very important that when you get stuck, that you can phone home and we get you. Mm. That was the most important thing. That's why I never told you off. Because uh, if I tell you off, next time you won't phone me and God knows how you get home. True. It's a good point. But I always believe in boundaries and you have to have boundaries for everybody and you have to decide what's important and what's not. And when you were clubbing, you went with a group of friends. You didn't go on your own. And I didn't want to be the mum who said, no, you can't go there. Tell the story about going to pick Eva up. From Edgeware, she phoned and because it wasn't so far, so I went if it was... Two o'clock in the morning, I said, hold on, I'm coming. And so I came, picked her up, and one guy thought I was a minicab. So he said, excuse me, can I share your minicab? And she said, can you please fuck off? This is my mother. (laughs) Go on, Eva. I've never forgotten (laughs) that expression. And the please was particularly important. So polite. Well, you
2: brought her up well, so it's fine.
1: Please, (laughs) kindly, fuck off. (laughs) What about when they went to uni? When they went to uni, um, Eva studied very hard and well, and I was very proud of her and very pleased with her. Here we go. And she did very well. Uh, Martin lived for three years in an alcoholic haze, <laughs> and I don't think he realised that university was for study. <laughs> no,
2: nah, I think that's fair. That's fair. Did you do
1: any work at all? I did. Um, Only what he absolutely had to.
2: Yeah, I didn't. Bare I, minimum. Yeah, mm. I came out of uh, the old Desmond. Two two, two two. Yeah.
0: Did
1: he? Did you speak to him a lot on the phone when he was at university? I phoned him. But he never picked up the
2: phone. Why? Going to uni for me was really kind of breaking free. When I was at school, I didn't necessarily have the best time at school. I wasn't really enjoying it that much. Okay. And because I meant to see my sister up in Manchester in my sixth form, I was like, this is amazing. This is the life I want. Everyone was happy. Everyone was drunk. You know, it was all good. So I was like, "That. that's what I really wanted. And I think somehow, symbolically, I just wanted to really break free from what I had. And probably on some level that included not phoning my mum and dad back when they called me or I didn't even see my sister really I think I saw her like twice in the whole time up there (laughs) three years it was it wasn't much wow um it wasn't exactly easy for mum because um she didn't hear from me and then in my summers I'd go and work in Falaraki and I'd call back maybe once or twice a year because it was expensive to call wasn't it
1: what was that like having a child in another country and only hearing from them like twice a year by then, I think we had mobiles, so, so I think we had some contact. Yeah. In that. So a text message a lot, every right? other month. By, yeah, yeah. It was expensive, but by then we had some sort of contact. Uh, it was particularly that the, the university we had to pick him up twice, two years running. <laughs> And take him directly to hospital, how <laughs> ill he was. No, no, okay. Are you joking? No, no, let me, yeah. let
2: me put that into context. So once was because I had glandular fever. The second time was in the third, was the third year? Second year. Was in the second year. And that's when I got mumps. So it's not like my fault that I got mumps. But that, I, I mean, I did have fun at uni, I won't lie.
0: Mm. That's what uni's for, though, isn't it?
2: Yeah. That's why everyone goes to uni. But if did you dos get... for three years? No, they don't, but I did. <laughs> I think it's part of growing up and actually I've got there's a question here about when do you feel like your children become adults and when when do they change and for me I think my mum always spent a long time telling me what to do because she wanted me to achieve things and I remember phoning up mum going I want to leave you I'm not happy she'd be like no just listen just make your way through this and I think the point where mum stopped telling me what to do or, or felt like she she could stop telling me what to do because I had a handle on my life was the point when we, our relationship
1: changed. Yeah, I think so. But it goes gradually. Are you, you pleased you were quite strict though? Oh yeah, and Martin once said that going to uni wasn't even a question. But uh, I wanted them to develop and I believe a lot in education.
2: And do you know what? As much as I push back against it, I would do the same. And there's nothing I would change about it. But it was just, it's It's difficult when you don't want to. I'm not a good, I'm not good with education necessarily.
1: It's a pity that you don't get education a little bit later.
2: (laughs) I'd be amazing at uni now. (laughs) Exactly. Honestly, I love finding out stuff now.
1: Exactly.
0: When were you most proud of your children, Suzanne?
1: All the time. I'm so pleased with them. I'm so, I'm so pleased with them when they graduated, when they... They are decent people. They are independent. And um, I always said they were just given to me to look after, to nurture, and uh, to become independent. And both of them became independent, and I'm very proud of that. And I think I may have done a good job. You've done an excellent job. You should be very proud of your mum as
0: well.
2: I'm very proud of my mum. A couple of last questions here. So one of the theories that people have about kids... Is that they look after you when you're old and decrepit, should we say? And you're neither of those things now. You're still in a very in a very sprightly shape, but. You've never ever let me really look after you in any way. Like I'll be like, Mum, do you want some money? No. Do you want some help here? No. No. Do you no, want a no. new kettle?
0: No. Yeah. Do you want us to replace these squeaky chairs that we're oh on? No. Yeah, they're absolutely fine. <laughs> even though one broke the other day.
2: Um, what? Why is that? I mean, do you think one? Do you think there's something in the thing of um, kids are there to look after their parents? But secondly, why don't you want to let yourself be looked after by us?
1: I do need that. Uh, in the same way as you want to be independent, I want to be independent. Boom. And one day, maybe I will need you. I rely on you in many ways and both on all of you. Uh, but I want to be independent as well. But one day you might have to repay the favour and change her nappy. Yeah. Alright?
0: right? Well. And you'd be
1: willing to do uh, that. Can you please shoot me before? <laughs> <laughs>
0: What are your three essential
1: pieces of advice for being a good parent, Suzanne? Love the baby and make sure that the baby knows you love it. That's the the child, that's the most important. So touching and kissing and playing. Give it time rather than uh, money or toys. They need time. The quality time is nonsense because they don't understand the concept. (laughs) and uh, give them discipline give them boundaries and um, do whatever you think you you will do basically you won't listen to anybody you will follow more or less what your parents how your parents brought you up that's how we repeat mistakes and that's how we repeat the good stuff
2: what's the one mistake that you can tell us not to make?
1: again (laughs) The one major mistake I did, and um, that was in context in those days, there was a lot of bad press about inoculation, what can happen to children. And so I I refused to give you, both of you, the MMR, and that's how mm. you got the mums. Oh, I didn't so, know you weren't vaccinated. So he was vaccinated for everything else.
2: Mum's an anti-vaxxer. But well but she's not anti-vax you're
1: so anti-vax Suzanne no. that's interesting but that's, that's my
2: there you go kids
1: so it's important inoculate really thank you so much mommy yeah, B yeah Mom, thank you thank you I love you both we love Aww. you
2: too
0: and I hope one day we can give you a grandchild <laughs>
2: <laughs> we should do a side by side with your impression and how mum actually talks
1: Katie give me a grandchild I'm not talking like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so there we have it my impersonation of Bodgie's mum is nothing like how she speaks
2: yeah let's not let facts get in the way of a good joke it's
0: not a million miles off though is it let's be, mm. let's be honest mm. so a big thanks to our final guest for this series of maybe baby Bodgie's mum Suzanne no wrong
2: That's one wrong one No,
0: just stop just stop Hold with on. the bloody special effects oh yeah Thank you, Suzanne.
2: Cheers, Suzanne.
0: What a life, by the way. What a life.
2: I know. She's experienced a lot. I would recommend actually anyone sitting down with their parents and doing the same thing that I just did because... Do you find that so much because obviously when you're growing up you're a kid you don't really know why your mum didn't let you play PlayStation or eat a biscuit and I think that it was fascinating and actually there was so much that really opened my eyes so mm. I would recommend anyone to do that.
0: Biggest revelation for me was finding out that your mum did not vaccinate you and Eva.
2: Yeah, uh, finding out mum was anti-vax was <laughs> that was new. Uh luckily I think that was just there was more of a scare at the time wasn't there rather than she thinks the world's flat and they fake the moon landings.
0: Thank goodness. This is what happens, though, when you don't inoculate. Can
2: I also say for anyone that's unsure, I feel like this is important. Vaccines are the safest way to stop your children from contracting diseases that are life-threatening and can have a long-term impact on their health. We had eliminated measles in this country until this year. And because of fake scare stories spread on social media about vaccines, it's now come back. So please remember, vaccinate your kids.
0: You heard it here first yeah. from Dr. Bodge. Also, can I say that hearing your mum talk about her family history and her moving countries at just 14 years old um, without her parents, that made me feel incredibly lucky mm. to have grown up in, in the time and place that I did. Do even, you know what I mean? Yeah,
2: even me. Mm. I mean, we're so lucky that we have the stability and comfort and there's still so many people out there who, who don't and try and find themselves a better life.
0: Yeah. Um, out of interest, how did your grandparents... Because you know your mum went to boarding school Mm -hmm. in tel aviv how did your grandparents afford to send her there
2: so at the time um if you're jewish you could go to israel and they would look after you so basically things like boarding school for kids was free wow because they wanted more jews to come to israel to basically populate the country yeah also i know we talked about this earlier when you said why didn't my grandparents go over and join her there Mm. so at the time my granddad was quite a bit older i think he was 66 right he didn't speak any hebrew He was an accountant. So he would have gone there. He couldn't have just gone there and not done a job. But he did speak German. So they, in Germany, they offered really beneficial terms for Jews to go back to Germany because obviously they were... Only right. Yeah, exactly. Making (laughs) reparations. So they could go there and have a good life and earn money and...
0: It made sense financially.
2: Yeah, and it was so difficult to know what was going to happen Mm. because obviously she left because the Russians came in. They wouldn't know that it would be until the fall of the Berlin Wall in the 90s before the Czech Republic or Czechoslovakia could you know actually became a a state that you could Mm -hmm. travel in and out
0: of. Yeah but it worked out okay in the end didn't it?
2: It did well listen we're here everyone's happy and healthy
0: Yeah so we'll be back in a couple of weeks for the concluding episode of Maybe Baby
2: If you've got any questions for us please do email it's maybebabycast at gmail.com.
0: We're going to be looking back at series one uh, finding out what we learnt how it's made us feel and reading out messages from the undecided child free club of women and men Mm. around the world.
2: And we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So if you want to leave us a review, it's only on iTunes. So just search Maybe Baby in the iTunes store and uh, say something nice.
0: And a five star rating too. Any less than that. And we'll send the boys round.
2: The boys being Baxter and Shirley.
0: As always, your love and support is hugely appreciated. So thank you so much for all of your wonderful messages and for listening to our podcast.
2: And until next time. No, that's no, no, the, There we go. <laughs> Good night, everybody.
0: Thank you. We became Bob. You've been amazing. Good night.